and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father, Rabbi Avi Horowitz, and myself, Ayelet, as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and topics inspired by the weekly Torah portion. This podcast is not religiously exclusive. No matter what religion you practice, please feel free to join us as we glean timeless Torah wisdom to help us better navigate the world we live in today, or simply put, just to give us something to think about, because that's always really awesome. So let's get schmoozing. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. We are back. And today's topic is going to be... The topic is going to be values. What do we mean when we say values? American values. Traditional values. Judeo-Christian values. Uh What do we mean when we say values meaning what would be the difference between saying value or priority something something i value versus something that's important to me i'm not it's not this or that it's what does values mean what does it mean what is the most important thing to have that you would say i would say it's important to live a life with values right if you don't have values you can you can have money but if you don't have values what worth it you can have happiness but if you don't have any values are you really happy if you don't, if you have, I don't know, good relationships, if you don't have any values, then what are your relationships? What do they mean? What can you have if you have no values, if you do not live with values? Okay. Maybe you can switch up the word values. Maybe you can call it something else. But that's exactly what we're trying to explore. The, the commonly used word today called values. Okay. And within the context of what? Saying why is this relevant to the Pesach Seder? Because I think that values are really the way we express our faith. Our faith in things, our faith in ideas. The faith that we have in ideas or in truths are expressed through values. So for example, if you believe that there is a God, so then you have God-driven values. If you believe that you believe in freedom and you think you've gotten to the idea of freedom as an important idea that we need to live with, then you're going to express values of freedom in your life. You're going to show values in your life of freedom. If you believe in relationships, you believe in, to the extent, to the depth and the importance of relationships, you're going to have those values that promote and um, protect the, um, the integrity of, that, of the values of relationships. Mm-hmm. So you're, the, the prerequisite for values is belief. You have to believe in something first in order to value it. Yeah. Okay. I think the word for in Judaism for faith, emuna, which is very um, particularly relevant to this holiday of Pesach, is a word that reflects the idea of that what the modern word we call values. So when you take emuna and um, you put it into practice, you're putting it, you're creating a value. That's what I'm saying. Like. We say in the tefillah, we say emet ve'emuna, right? Truth and faith. 
that um, we say in the tefillah, that um, God has given us truth and faith. And I, I'd like to explore the, the, the connection between those two ideas. As emunah is like the incorporation of the truth that you have seen in your life and you have come to understand. Um, but as a result of the fact that we're human and we cannot hold on to truth the entire time, so we create um, activities, actions, positions that are called acts of emuna, your acts of faith. For example, a person who is trustworthy is called a baal emuna or emuna. Um, it's called a, a person of, of faith, right? Because he acts honestly and with integrity towards others. So he believes in the... We were, who were we talking about that last night? That uh, he, Oh, right, um, the fellow that saved us from the middle of the road. Um, so he, he said that his father-in-law has been an accountant for the state of Israel, for the central bank, for 40 years. So he's an accountant. And he's like a really, really straight honest person and I'm sure that person in his in his um, in his sense of what's right and wrong believes very strongly in the importance of being straight and honest and as a result he lives his life through the values of honesty and he carries out his daily you know I'm sure they're tested every once in a while and, and I, I know he was telling me yesterday that he when he when he was asked to come out of retirement to run some kind of a foundation and he could not get see himself getting into the inner workings of this foundation because he just saw that it was not um, holding up to the standards of his uh, transparency. Of his, you're right, of his transparency and his honesty that he felt uh, are important uh, essential ideals to work with, so he wouldn't work there. So that's a value. He these are his values, mm-hmm. and he clearly is a person who has deep connection to this value or to this belief, so therefore his value is even much more, um, I guess, I guess note, noteworthy, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, so, so yeah. So you, if, if you would have to define then the value, what the meaning of a value is, what would you say it is in light of what we were just speaking about? I'm telling you what values are. Values right. are the expression of our beliefs. Okay, so that's that's how you would define it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, I mean, not the question, but the, the, we, what we could explore is, why is it that Pesach is like the beginning of the discussion about these things? And um, I think it's because the Torah very often um, puts the experience of leaving Mitzrayim as a starting point for the religion. Right. Like the fundamental value, the R- fundamental belief. But it doesn't even make it as a belief. It kind of makes it a, kind of makes it into a, um, a, a, a reason for mitzvos, right? There, there are many mitzvos that the Torah says, um, you, remember they took you out of Mitzrayim and therefore... Like Gare. Right. You know, treat the foreigner um, with kindness and compassion because you were once foreigners in Egypt. That's a direct, um, like a reliving, you know, don't do unto others as you, you know yourself in your own 
flesh and blood, what it means to be a foreigner. So learn from your own example, your own history. But then there's there's just mitzvahs like not eating certain things. Remember that I took you out of Egypt, you know, so you should know the difference between what's pure and what's unpure. Remember I took you out of Egypt. So um, therefore, uh, tzitzis. <laughs> I mean, what's the doing in the parsha of tzitzit? You know, uh, weights and measures, be honest in business because I took you out of Mitzrayim. I don't have a full list here, but um, there must it must be at least, I, I would say, 30 times. There's 613 mitzvot, and I would say there's at least 30 times that the Torah recognizes that the compliance with mitzvot has to do with the fact that we're cognizant of the fact that Hashem took us out of Egypt. Hmm. Well, Shabbos. Right. Even, even Shabbat. Which, right, even Shabbat, where we say every time we should really remember the creation of the world, but we say, Right, and, and the truth of the matter is the holidays also. It's a remembrance of coming out of Egypt. And those are like, that's interesting because those are uh, ritual. Those are, those are mitzvot that are ritual based. They're not, you know, interactive. They're not, they're not interactions with other humans. What do you, what? Whereas if God says, be nice to the stranger because, okay, so then, okay, that's something. That you can, you know, you can you can explain away easily enough, but if it says I want you to become um, people that do the holidays because they took out of Egypt, what does going out of Egypt have to do with doing the holidays or Shabbat or keeping Shabbat? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't find it to be so much of a difference. Okay, so why? So let's say somebody says to you, I read the Bible and it says. That you, got, you guys are asked to keep holidays because you're supposed to uh, remember that God took you out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill that fly. <laughs> it's driving me nuts. Um, yeah. Luckily, it doesn't say we have to be nice to flies. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, just, I don't find that it's so much of a difference to me. Being... What does it mean? Somebody says, what is, it, what is going out of Egypt to do with you keeping Pesach or or Shavuot or Sukkot or Shabbat? Because the coming out of Egypt was the, is the basis of how we were created as a nation. It's, it's what gives, gives um, what enables everything else to follow. I feel like it's the cornerstone. So we, like, we Why keep, is it the cornerstone? Because that's when we were created into a nation. That's when it all so starts. It's nice. really. it's a nice, so it's a nice story. You know, we should, we're really happy. So when it comes once a year, we'll be very happy that we became a nation, but now leave me alone. Now we're doing mitzvot, and we're doing mitzvot, because we're doing mitzvot, that's it. But why are we doing mitzvot? Right, so that's what I'm asking. Because what, God what is... commanded us to do so. What does God have to do with us? Well, God cares a lot about us. He took us out of Egypt. So we're doing it because He cares about us. It's, it's more than that. It's God taking us out of Egypt is the epitome of the relationship we have with Him. Why else would we do commandments given to us by a God? Why not do something that I want to do, or why not just decide that the sun would be a nice a nice deity deity to have so like just chill that and make your own little religion like at the end of the day we believe we we believe mostly in God because it was he was revealed to us in Egypt and then in Harsinai and we do what he says because we understand that not only does he exist but he also he's chosen us to do to 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 bring his presence into the world like we were discussing last week so that's what I want to say. I, I, I want to say that if you, want to, if you want to be a little bit more exact, you would say that 
in Egypt, we learned what it is to have a Muna, and in Har Sinai, we, there was a revelation of truth. So you, you can't deal one without the other. You need truth and you need faith. Faith, as the Maimonides points out, is not something that can stand on its own. You could always, faith on its own doesn't last because in the end, somebody will say, hey, what is this all about again? Like, why, why is this binding? I mean, it's just the way you feel about it. It's like, because you're, you're faithful. Like, okay. I mean, why? There's nothing strong about it. There's nothing compelling about it in the end if you're not interested in the relationship. Whereas, the, for example, the, the, the relationship of the avos, of the patriarchs, was considered to be a, a relationship based on amuna, based on faith. Right? They believed because they had a strong intuition about God's existence and what that means in the world, and what the ramifications are. They had are. prophecy. I'm saying it was pretty legit. I feel like it's more than belief. Right, but their prophecy, in other words... It's true, but their their prophecy wasn't about everything that they did in their life. Their prophecy was about certain things they did in their life. But what else did they do with their life? Because to live a God-based existence means to develop values based on what you assume God wants you to do because you know God exists. So there's a lot of uh, values that are created by the patriarchs because of their belief in God. In other words, they intuit a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas once the Torah becomes revealed, it becomes clear through the Torah, much more clear actually, through the Torah, what it is that, it, that God's existence means to you. In other words, how, does, how do the values of God's existence play themselves out in the day-to-day, in our world, in our world of action and interaction? So that's Torah, that's revelation. It's going to tell you, because God exists, so this, that, and the other. That's what it means. That's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a result, us, post-Harsinai, there's still, there's emet, but there's also emunah, because we weren't there, right? right? We weren't there, so we have to rationally under, try to understand what, it, what is the truth of our belief, and then the belief of it also, even though we're given guidelines as to what it is that the, 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 that the expression of this, these truths are, but the emunah kicks in just as much as it does for anyone else because there's all kinds of gray area and there's all kinds of things that aren't necessarily proscribed by the Torah where you have to live your life and you have to decide what is it that I'm going to do now based on the values that I have. And that's why the emunah of a person is ultimately the most important thing. It's because it's how a person, um, how a person is able to, to reach and connect us in a way that's beyond our reach and comprehension. Because if a person um, understands a certain truth, there's always going to be a limit to that truth, right? Right. The, uh, what takes you beyond the limits of that truth is your faith in the truth that you believe in. How would you differentiate the limits of a truth versus the faith you have in that same truth? Why do... I'm saying I'm not understanding the difference. If you, if you're saying there's a limit to how much I could believe a truth, but there is not a limit on how much I believe in the truth. Um, I'm not understanding the difference. What, what I'm saying is like like let's say um, I mean this is a little bit more of a esoteric example, but the, it's a more general example, if not the most. You have we believe in a, 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 a world here and here and now, and we believe in a world after this world. For, mm-hmm. for the soul, mm-hmm. right? 
There's also beliefs about the next world, which means that the world as we know it will change. So we call it Yimot Mashiach or Olam Abba or Yitzchat Ametim, right? Mm-hmm. And that uh, keeping with the Rambam's way of calling it, so when we have Olam Abba, we have that which follows life, life after life. Mm-hmm. So, so what's the important? You can a person can come to a certain basic understanding of why he thinks it should be that way, that there's life after life, because you believe in the immortality of the soul. But then again, there's obvious limits that you could have to what you know, know about that. But when you commit yourself to it, and you do things, and you create values around it, you will be able to get further into the, into the understanding of it by, simply by in, involving yourself in what it means to be a committed believer. When you're a committed believer, so you're committing yourself to a belief through action and through attitude and through everything that you do. So in, an, in essence, you're, you're bridging that gap through your own um, attitude and beliefs and, and values and expression. So you bridge that gap through, through, through your amuna. The amuna, it's like, Let's, let's, it's always easy to talk about relationships, right? So that, that's one example, but then all the mitzvahs of the Torah and whatever it is that you know about God is always going to be limited. Right. Especially if you talk about that. But what, let's talk about something that's much more mundane. A relationship, right? So two people get married. Do they really, really know each other? To a certain extent. To a certain extent. Because they've never been married, they never lived together or whatever. Well, even whatever. if they live 50 years together, they still don't really know each other. Right. Because each person is a, an infinite amount of stuff within themselves that perhaps themselves they themselves don't even know. You know what I'm saying? Right. People There's are, constant discovery. Yeah, self-discovery. And then also, it, by, by the time we figure out ourselves, I don't know how many years we'd have to live, you know, thousands of years if we would if we finally figure out what it is we are, right? Mm-hmm. And then for somebody else to understand you, right? So that takes a long time, right? And it's even if it would be somewhat achievable. Mm-hmm. So what, what does that mean? So that means that what, what, are the pe- what do the people believe who are together and having a relationship? They believe that even though they don't know the other, and perhaps there are parts of the other that they don't even want to know, right? Um, there are parts to the other that are completely concealed from them, but still they are believers in the, in the importance of the relationship. So they commit themselves to the relationship regardless of the differences that they have, regardless of the of the of the of the, of the gaps of the distances that are that exist between them. Mm-hmm. They're committed to the value of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So go explain that. What is that relationship? What is that? Why is that important? Why do you have faith in relationships? The person will say, "Well, because it makes me feel good." Okay. Well, and when it doesn't? Right. I guess I would describe it more as the cement that keeps it together when logically you don't understand or logically, like you said, you, you, don't, you don't know the other person. It's what keeps you from deciding, I've had enough of this. <laughs> I don't like the way you bake potatoes and keep my kitchen, so we're, you know, we're out. It's, it's, what, it's what glues you to, to the commitment to the relationship. It makes up for what you don't know, for what you don't like. Right, so you have to really be a believer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, in our tradition, we call that belief the belief in God, ultimately, because we say Isha, Isha, in the classic relationship of a man and a woman, 
So we say that if there's Shechina uh, Beinayim, so then there's Shalom, right? If there's, if there's, right? If ultimately, their names spell out the name of God. So that means that, that there always is a, a middle point. There always is a, how do you say, Eche Central? There's a, a, a joining point? A pillar or something. An eche, a central pillar of the, of the relationship that's, not, that's neither her nor him, right? It's both of them. It's, it's what joins them. What joins them? So the spirituality of them, you can say, of them, the two of them, joins them together. What does that mean? That means that they believe, they believe together that together there's something there, the togetherness of them, that is an existence of godliness, let's say. That, that within the joining of the two, there's a, there's a holiness there. And they want to maintain that holiness. So it's, that's a, you can't prove it. I thought you were going to take that a different way. I'm surprised by that answer. You can't show it, but you can be committed to it. Why are you surprised at that? I thought, I thought you were going to go more by the vein of the the middle part, meaning the faith that they both have in 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 the value and of and of the need to be in a relationship together. And that in itself, I would say, is, is a, a spiritual thing to, to, to believe in something that you can't touch. So that's something that is... But we're trying to be rational beings also, right? So we're not going to believe in stuff unless we have some reason to believe it. That's Isn't somewhat that rational. Saying... So what's rational about it? There has to be something rational. So what, what, I'm, what I'm ultimately saying is that in Judaism, there's, there's nothing really rational... There's, there's nothing that exists rationally except God. If you, want to, if you want to believe in the existence of something, which means you want to believe, you want to put your faith in it. Judaism says you better put your faith in something that's worthwhile putting your faith in. And the only thing that could be is the ultimate existence and what derives from that. So somehow the relationship between two people is connected to the ultimate existence. Right? So that means it has a piece of it. It's that when the two people join and they commit themselves to each other, they are finding the connection as a, as a connection to, to the ultimate existence, to God. Hmm. And you would say that that is the principal faith that would, that would be keeping a man and woman together in a relationship? I mean, um, optimally so, yeah. There has to be a central pillar that holds them together. If it's just because it's convenient, so then, okay, so you'll say, well, marriage is about when it works, and if it doesn't work, then you just then you say goodbye. That's not faith. That's, That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So a faith-based relationship is is that the faith will always be bigger than the problems that exist amongst the two of them, mm-hmm. because. The, if they if they get stronger in the faith of that that is that uh, is beyond what they are themselves, they'll realize that they're connecting through each other. They're connecting to something much bigger than themselves. So ultimately, they'll be able. They'll be. They'll, we'll put it this way. They'll be much more likely to overcome issues that that come up. Because there's a higher belief that that the, that the relationship is about connecting to something much higher. Mm-hmm. That they need each other for that, which connects mm-hmm. them both together, which in itself connects them to something higher. 
It's just an example. I'm saying this is just an example, but it's a big example. But there are many things that we just do um, that we don't really, I mean, practically almost everything, we don't really understand it to its core. There are many things that we say, oh, that's for sure, like that. Or let's talk about things that people do in a regular you know, routine. They, people will go to the clinic and they'll, they'll go to the hospital and they'll get medicine. And they'll commit themselves to, you know, spending their life and their time and their money to staying healthy through modern medicine because they believe that modern medicine will help them. Mm -hmm. If they don't know that for sure, it's a belief. Right. They believe it. And because they believe it, they're going to commit themselves to it. And the more they commit themselves to it, the more they're going to be the ones that are going to try to defend it. Right. Right, and and they'll live it within their subjective reality moments where they become cured because of an antibiotic, because of some other drugs that's more sophisticated, less sophisticated, doesn't matter. And then they become consumers of a belief that that modern medicine is good and it can help you and it can cure you and that we believe in, and the belief behind that belief is that ultimately human beings are intelligent and savvy and they're able to, and they help each other and they can create incredible things for society, for the betterment of society. There's a lot of things that are involved in that. But you're a believer in it, and now you're a consumer. And mm -hmm. now you are a practicing, you know, uh, a faith uh, monger in, in, <laughs> in, 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 you know, in, in, uh, in modern medicine. I'm saying, like, look, look at the vax situation, right? So the people that took, the people that went and took the vax Right, the vaccine, they're much less likely to be the ones that are going to be anti-vaxxers, right? And I know it sounds kind of like not such a great point, but the point is an anti-vaxxer, once vaxxed, has to come, has to deal with the reality that they've been vaxxed. Right. You see what it does? So you're going to be much less likely to be the, such an outspoken critic. Right. It, that, that reminds me more of the, the experiment, the mil, mil, Milgram? Milgram, yeah. The Milgram experiment of the once people pass a certain right. a certain place of electric electrifying the person next door, they're much less likely to stop right. because then it's going to mean reconciling the fact that what they've done so far was wrong. Right. Well, this is what makes people afraid of religion in general because they say, here people with blind faith go into something, they commit themselves through acts and through things that they call values, let's say you know Judeo-Christian values, and then they become brainwashed. They brainwash themselves because their whole reality now is that reality, so therefore they can't see anything else, and then they become sometimes even fanatics, because they can't imagine that somebody else wouldn't, if they would just do what they're doing, they would see, which is true. I mean, they would definitely see more, mm -hmm. but the other person saying, don't touch me, don't look at me, don't talk to me, I'm not interested in doing what you're doing, and I don't want to get brainwashed. Mm -hmm. Now there's something to that too, because they know that it's true, once you get involved, and once you commit yourself, once you create values and carry them out in your life, and you're you, more likely to believe. Then you have to be. Then it's it's part of your own flesh. It's part of your own subjective reality, and you, your mind has a way of melding itself around that reality. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a lot of the story of Pesach, which is interestingly enough also celebrates the idea of the question. And we constantly have to be asking ourselves questions, and we constantly have to be refreshing what we believe in and the truths that we feel that we understand by asking ourselves, "Do I really understand this? Do I really believe it?" If I really understand it, am I willing to commit to it? Um, mm. 
So for example, um, in the Torah's view, it's much greater a person who, who, who is committing, is doing an act of, um, that he believes to be a sacred act, an important act, because he believes he's been commanded to do it, uh, over a person who does it because he feels it's the right thing to do. It's better to question and to understand and then do than to just do because you, it feels right. It's better right. to question, to understand and do, but do it because you, because you realize you were commanded to do it. As opposed to doing it because... As opposed to doing it because you, you feel like it's right think and you it's agree right, with it. But it's not, it's, not, it's not connecting you to any greater, higher, higher being. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it because you think you should do it. Right. right. Or you grew up doing it or it feels comfortable or it makes sense to you. Right. And the reason is, is because ultimately that's not really a faith-based act, but you're doing it because you believe in yourself, which is nice to believe in yourself, but you also have to be real, realistic and know that the limits of humans are as, as a real thing. You're very, very limited. We are all very limited. We only live for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And just that f- thought alone should make a person stop and think and say, what do I... <laughs> like, why am I so sure that uh, the things that I think are right are just right because they are? You know, because it works for you, you know, so that you're going to sell your life down the road because it's so far it's worked. I mean, maybe it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I feel like in, in light of this discussion, I'm thinking about um, we have a lot of um, school systems within Jewish tradition that um, really don't encourage questioning. It's like one of these topics that we always bring up and talk about. Um, and I'm just thinking what a tragedy it is if, if real belief comes from questioning, right, and, and, the, and the importance and the merit of what we do is so much greater after we question and understand and then do it because we really have come to a belief that this is what God wants from us, that there's, such, there's so much missing that yeah. isn't being well, um, offered. Well, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think maybe we should do a, a separate podcast on that, but that, that, that's an issue I always struggle with. Like, um, you know, we have a lot of statements about this struggle, that, which is, um, is it better to have a free-choosing um, son, uh, you know, that's, that I know is going to free-choose the wrong choice, or have a son who I, so to speak, indoctrinate because I know what I'm giving him is the right thing, it's the best thing for him, and he'll live a good life, um, but he'll be less free because he will... Um, receive a message that much more in a much more impositively right it will be imposed on him Um, and I will supply him like all the all the answers and all the uh, proofs and all the things and like I won't let him free uh, free range you know ask questions and just go his own way what where what is it what am I supposed to do what's better off Am am I being a better guardian slash father slash teacher slash whatever if if i set the two children on their way um and knowing you know or or set the the child on his way knowing that he's going to crash and burn right in other words the societies that you're referring to that you are lamenting feel that uh, they don't need to prove to themselves what they already know and because and why do they know it because they know it because their parents knew it and because their grandparents was because they knew it for for thousands of years it's not their job to start figuring it out mm-hmm. and if they and if you allow them the freedom to start figuring it out then they'll end up eating the poison and and living a horrible life in their own eyes 
Whereas today's modern world says, no, it's better to let them free, and if they won't want to do that, so then that's their choice. Mm-hmm. And if it's really so bad, then I guess they won't do it, or, or they'll, whatever. But let the person be responsible for their own decisions. It's definitely an interesting conversation for us to have a different time. Yes. <laughs> so to wrap it up, let's bring down then again, values being the beliefs that we, that we commit to, right? We, we, things, we believe certain ideals, certain truths, certain things that we hold to be important, and we act on those things. And that's what we're calling beliefs. Um, that's what we're calling values. And values are so, so important for us now in light, of, in light of Pesach because we see that the belief of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is one of the cornerstones of our belief as a nation and as a people. And it's the reason, and it's, it seems to be that by, by choosing and by constantly remembering and safeguarding this truth, um, then we become better enabled to follow them up with acts of faith, which is something that we all have to do. And that's how a lot of the Torah is saying mitzvot are acts of faith. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's much more simple than, than we're making it sound. I mean, what are you doing today? What, what did you do? You made a pie to be for? What? Date balls. Date balls. Okay, well, why'd you do that? Well, because they're yummy and you want to eat them or you did them for some other reason? They're yummy, but I asked didn't because Ima wanted me to because it's Chag today and it's okay. Nice well, there to you have go. Something. Two, you have two beliefs systems, two beliefs, two parts of a belief that's that are part of a belief system. One is listening to your parents. The second is that there's going to be a holiday and you want to like do something special for the holiday. Right. If there was no holiday tonight and your parents didn't tell you, maybe you'd make some for yourselves and then put it in the fridge and eat them yourself. Right. Which could have also looked the same. You could have made the same balls, but you weren't thinking about them in the same way. You were thinking of that you're making them for these other reasons. So to the extent that you were conscious of that, you were doing a value. You were committing, you were, you're doing a faith-based act. Mm-hmm. Splinter. <laughs> Something's weird in my hand. No. So, um... So Pesach. So anything that you do, no, Pesach is there to, to reinforce these ideas because the birth of the Jewish people, as you said, is not just a birth that's a historical birth that's like we can learn from the particular story like, oh, we should be nice to people, oh, we were slaves, oh, we should be grateful, which is all true. But it's also that the, the leaving of Egypt was an experience of faith. It was, an, it was all along was an experience of re-finding or, or generating faith in those things that the Jewish people will need to be faithful in. And those, the faiths of the Jewish people have to do with ultimately the belief in God and God's ability to um, know, be omniscient, be omnipresent, right? Be omnipotent and, um, and omnibenevolent, right? Which is something we maybe will speak about once. What are the challenges to our faith in that? But if you tell somebody God is all-powerful, they say, oh, yeah, great. You know, God is all-knowing. Oh, great. Uh, well, God is all-kind. Oh, really? <laughs> that's where people have a hard time. Okay. And that's where our faith is challenged. We'll talk about this some other time. But, but it, th- maybe you can say to yourself, well, if I believe God is all-kind, if I really, really believe it, then what does that mean? That means that I should also try to be as all-kind as possible. I'm committed to that value because if God is omnibenevolent, so then we should be omnibenevolent because he was always benevolent, always, and he always is benevolent. Mm-hmm. 
So if you believe in that, even if there's limits to what you can understand, you will find yourself committing yourself to a life that, that emulates that, which ultimately is what the Torah is trying to, to do. Right. All right. All right. So taking this Pesach as an opportunity now, what's left to really solidify and identify these values, these beliefs that we have, and being able to move out of Pesach with the, with the faith to, to actually bring them into action and make and live with acts of faith stemming from values that we, we have and we create and we believe in. Have a lovely Chag and Shabbos, everybody. Be blessed, and we will be back next week.